Welcome to episode 15 of Advocacy in Court. Our topic is part two of the addiction that is cross-examination. Let's look first at where you should be looking during your cross-examination. There's conflicting advice on this. Some, such as I, recommend that you should look away. Others say that you should look directly into the eyes of the target witness. Let's look at the reasons behind both views. For those of us who like to look away during our cross-examination, we think that it gives us more time to think, to keep reflecting upon the entirety of what we're trying to do. It also has the advantage that it irritates those many witnesses who think that they should be looking at the advocate and hence that you should be looking at them. From our perspective, an irritated target is a good target. The contrary view is is that by looking directly at the target, you have more overt control. I'm not so sure about that. But if you are one of those whose style is to look directly into the eyes of the target witness, then make sure that you have an inbuilt breakaway position. Why do you need this? Because many of those who look straight into the eyes of their target develop a feedback loop from the eyes of the target And this is shown by the cross-examiner's increasing voice speed and an ever smaller gap between the end of the witness's last answer and the start of your next question. Indeed, it gets to the bump-up effect where the cross-examiner has started the next question before the witness has finished their answer. You may recall what I've had to say earlier in this series about the value of silence. That is lost with this direct looking into the eyes. To ensure, if you're one of those who uses this technique, that you can break away from the eye contact with the witness... Have your body placed so that your questioning requires you to turn at the hip. Your feet should be pointed away from the witness so that when you untwist your upper body, you'll be looking away from the target witness and at the floor. This will lower your pulse rate. It will lower your voice speed. And for a while at least, it will stop that tendency to talk over the end of the target witness's answer. I repeat that to look or not to look is a matter of personal style. As such, it represents matters of one's personality and also one's physical appearance. I prefer the control that I get from having target witnesses surprised by what I do by being nice, by not looking at them, by the quick grin that lets them know that I know, 
by having a soft, high voice. And the use of silence that I give them willingly so that they can unwillingly worry. Turning now from to look or not to look, our next topic is risk. All cross-examination is a matter of risk. Question by question, answer by answer, you are reassessing the risk of what might or might not be the next question that you ask. Will the worst possible answer that the witness might give you leave your case worse off, no worse off, or better? That's what you're asking yourself. It is a gamble. Probably because it's a gamble, you've probably heard from quite experienced people the instruction that you ought not to ask a question in cross-examination if you don't know the answer. Regretfully, I must tell you to forget that advice because it's plain wrong. Sometimes you must ask questions to which you don't know the answer. Your risk analysis tells you that you have to take the risk of getting the information. As a partial guide for this, if you know that your case is going badly, then you can seek to uncover the unknown more readily because it may open another door for you, another way to do better. The skill, which has to be based on your experience, is how and when you ask those questions and thereafter what you do with the answer that you get. Risky or not, your questions must be short, always short, and so clear. This is easy to say, but rather more difficult to do. Sometimes you'll get an answer that you realise is useful, but is not to be taken up at the moment. In that case, you need to park it and stop to make a mark so that you'll be sure to return to it later. It's essential in cross that you do not hurry. Take your time. Use silence, your own or that of the witness or both, as a tool. Let the audience absorb what's being said and what's going on and they'll make their own decision the way you want them to make it. Now, you may also have been told that in cross-examination you should not ask open questions. That too is the wrong advice. Sometimes you must ask open questions. An example of this is where there's a witness with vital information and the use of open questions will make it their story, not yours, and so carry much greater weight. This is part of a risk assessment. Let me give you an example. A woman made a number of false accusations of sexual assault 
against her former boyfriend. She told police and she told the jury at the first trial that on the last occasion about which she complained, she had contacted her still boyfriend late at night to ask if she could come over and stay the night. She said that she had forgotten her keys and so could not go home. Now, all of that was a lie, but how to prove it? There being a hung jury on the first trial, by the time of the second trial, the accused had discovered a number of text messages on his phone which demonstrated that her story was a lie and that indeed she had contacted him many hours before in order to set up a late-night meeting. So the defence had his phone and his records, but what about on her phone? Inquiries revealed that the investigating police had downloaded the message contents of her phone, but had done so with software that does not show deletions. Closed questions would never have uncovered what happened next. In the witness box, in trial number two, in cross-examination of the police officer, open questions were asked, which established directly from him that the young woman had visited the police station well after she'd made her formal complaints and been interviewed. She'd visited in order to offer them her phone, saying that there was useful corroborating evidence on her phone. The manner in which she made that approach to the police demonstrated beyond doubt that she had deliberately deleted from her phone only those few messages that showed the story she told the police to be a malicious lie. Occasionally, when cross-examination, the lawyer holds an ace card, a document, some other artefact, which will destroy the witness. But as I said, that's occasional. Rather more often, cross-examination is a hard slog, making slow ground on an uncertain terrain, trying to work out which way one should go to best manage risk. As an advocate, the occasional payoff is when you ask a question that's drawn from somewhere beyond your conscious self. But it's the spot-on question the perfect question for the moment that reflects the combination of all of your experience, your talent and your insight about the case. Asked afterwards where the question came from, you won't know. It's that rare magic that draws you back into a courtroom to cross-examine to see if you can do it again. Very early in these episodes, I pointed out that your skill as an advocate depends upon acquiring basic skills and then developing a personal style that makes use of them. Above all else, you are acquiring a personal skill set 
that is so set in your brain that the right one will come to mind without conscious thought when you need it. But however well or badly a cross-examination has gone for you, keep something back that is good for you to finish with. It's very important that your cross-examination does not fade away. This is one time when a few carefully written questions actually are good technique. Make sure that the answers to those questions are either beyond doubt or are irrelevant in the sense that the fact finder will know the answer even before the witness opens their mouth. Just a final thought on cross-examination and this is about how you prepare your witnesses to be cross-examined. Don't forget that you have no right to have another conference with your witness between the end of cross-examination and the start of re-examination. Hence, they need to be able to tell you while they're being cross-examined what they want you to raise with them safely in re-examination. A simple and effective way to do that is to rehearse with them that whenever there's something they want you to take up in re-examination, they will say in answer to the cross-examiner, would you like me to explain? And of course, in nearly every case, you as a cross-examiner will know you don't want them to explain anything. But the effect of the phrase is to make it clear to you that the witness can readily and safely answer the question when you bring it up with them in re-examination. In the next episode, that's episode 16, we start with a look at re-examination. Then we have a brief look at some questions that require the leave of the court before you can ask them. And then we go to closing argument. Until then, bye for now.